Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled All About Eve. But first, we need to catch up on the news. Well, it looks like we'll have another break this season because new episodes of Supergirl don't return until April 21st. What is with the scheduling this year? Why do they keep doing this? It's so strange. Like, they'll come back from a break, they'll air two episodes, and then they'll go on, like, another two- or three-week hiatus. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, it really doesn't. Uh, but I guess I, a break is nice. That'll be that'll be nice. I mean, it'll be nice. It's, it's, good, it's good timing for you, certainly, because... Because uh, as some of our listeners may know, I was in Disney World last week. Rebecca will be in Disney World this week. We are ships passing in the night. We did not. We were so close to overlapping. And yet. <laughs> that would have been really funny, though, if we just ran into each other at uh, at Epcot somewhere. Just like, that hey, been incredible. what are you doing just, here? Like, just bumped into each other, like, <laughs> with the Muppets or something. <laughs> Hashtag dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was totally not planned at all. I had actually scheduled my Disney World trip a long time ago because I'm running the Disney World uh, Star Wars 5K at uh, at the parks, and so you have to you have to get in on that really early because it sells out. So it just <laughs> just so happens that I'm going this week. And, uh, yeah, it would be really tight for me to come back and watch another episode of Supergirl. So that actually does uh, work out for me, personally. So I don't mind the, the break too much. But it is a weird schedule. I feel like it was, a, like, a little bit unfair that they accommodate your schedule, but not mine. <laughs> because I had to miss what was maybe arguably one of the best episodes of the season. I know. Last week. And I'm I'm not happy about it girl <laughs> scheduling I, all i'm saying is that you could have taken the hiatus last week <laughs> they could have done it so that we both had vacation time i know i they were so close to accommodating both of us they don't ask us about storylines they don't ask <laughs> us about schedules they certainly don't ask us about how the u.s government works they need to consult us <laughs> about these things <laughs> that is very true so uh, I guess we will enjoy the break, even if, uh, may, you know, you can, you need some Disney World recovery time. So this works that out. Is, that is true. I am very tired. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy the break. New episodes will return on April 21st. I guess that's it for the news. So let's get into discussing the season four episode of Supergirl titled All About Eve. Here is the official description. 
Quote, Supergirl must deal with the destructive aftermath of Lex's nefarious plans. Shocked at what Lex has created, Supergirl faces her biggest challenge yet, unquote, which is probably one of the shortest <laughs> I was episode like, descriptions. <laughs> is the regular episode description writer, like, sick this week? <laughs> I'm immediately worried about our episode description writer. Like, are, is everything okay? <laughs> are, are you doing all right? Two sentences? Are, are you serious? I, I that doesn't tell me the entire plot of the episode <laughs> and it, it didn't tell us about John's shocking secret there are things that are missing I feel like this description is lacking in many ways uh, but that is what they have given us this week and I was curious Morgan because this episode title was all about Eve and so my first question is was this episode all about Eve no, it certainly was not. <laughs> it was somewhat about Eve, a little bit about Eve. I would say it's it was like a dash about Eve, but certainly not all about. I feel like they were just like, we need to make this movie reference. It's right there in front of us. Let's take it. But I feel like I would have liked an episode that was all about Eve, like a like a nice meaty Eve backstory episode. Yeah. That's what I'm into. Like last week's episode with the, all the, uh, you know, jumping back and forth between time and like Lex's evil nefarious plan. Like I want that with Eve, but only like how did Eve become Eve? Let's <laughs> let's take it all the way back. <laughs> what got her into having a crush on a psychopath? That exactly. could be explored. <laughs> how did she become Lex's Manson girl? Like that's what I want to know. <laughs> Also, how amazing is it that her password is I love Lex? That was the biggest laugh of the episode for me. It's not a real strong password. You don't have like uh, numbers in there. You don't have like an explanation point. She's this nefarious, like evil genius uh, scientist, but doesn't understand that you need to make a secure password. <laughs> She's like, oh, curses foiled again by my inability to remember numbers. <laughs> Someone hacked into my stuff. I can't, I don't know how they would have done it. How could they uncover my password? It was so secure. <laughs> yeah, not the best password. You need to get at least some numbers and some uh, strange characters in there. That's uh, That's something you need to work on, Eve. Yeah, I was a little disappointed because I... As as previously established on Supergirl Radio, I'm a big fan of classic film, and there is a movie called All About Eve, which is a, a very famous Betty Davis film from 1950. It's very famous for the phrase or, you know, the saying, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night. That's from that movie. That's kind of where that phrase comes from. Um, and so... I was a little disappointed that this would have been the perfect opportunity not to not only to make an episode title about Eve on an episode that centers around Eve, even though it really didn't, but they show Kara watching classic film all the time, and they didn't have her like watching a Betty Davis movie. What the heck? This would have been the perfect opportunity. A missed opportunity if ever there was one. <laughs> and so there have exciting. been so many missed opportunities this season. <laughs> By the way, can I just say that my theory over the fact that Mercy may be dead is uh, is growing by the episode that we don't see her. I, like where Otis is alive. Where is Mercy? Where is my girl Mercy? <laughs> well, let's just wait to see what happens by the end of the season. And then if nothing happens... Then we can we will allow ourselves to get really cranky about it. 
that's that's how I'm approaching that subject. That's a good way to approach it because it's I don't want to judge them too soon. Maybe she's coming. Maybe she's just around the river bend. <laughs> we shall Sorry, see. Maybe just at Disney. <laughs> maybe, maybe they will bring her back in uh, to play b- before the end of the season wraps up. But yeah, so the only thing I could think of when I uh, maybe they just wanted to call it all about Eve because it's a you know it's a very famous movie title and they could connect it to Miss Tessmacher. Maybe they just wanted to do it that way. But when I was thinking about All About Eve, All About Eve is the story of this actress named Margot Channing. And it's uh, such a great character name. I love it so much. And uh, she is this kind of diva, famous stage actress played by Betty Davis. And there is this younger actress whose name is Eve Harrington. And she loves Margot Channing. She's like a big fan because she, she's seen every performance. She loves her. She uh, uh, becomes her assistant. And she eventually gets to the point where she starts replacing Margot Channing in certain aspects of her life. She becomes her understudy. Then she kind of gets to be the star of a performance and she hits on Margot's, uh, 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 I guess, boyfriend. I, I, or maybe back in the day, I, w- I guess they would have said Bo back then. <laughs> um, so she is really kind of trying to take over Margot's life a little bit. And so uh, Eve kind of becomes the new Margot. And spoiler alert, by the end of the film, Eve has her own little situation where Eve becomes the new Margot Channing. And then there's this younger actress who comes in to be the new Eve. So it comes a little full circle with Eve. Um, So I wondered if maybe this is how I'm reading into this episode title, that in this episode, Red Daughter takes on the form of Supergirl in her costume and her likeness, and she commits a huge act of terrorism. I mean, just awful. She goes into the Oval Office, kills a bunch of dudes with yeah, the not vision. Cool at all. <laughs> not cool. Commits an act of terrorism in one of the most iconic locations in American history. And basically frames Supergirl. And so I had sort of thought about that in terms of all about Eve, where, you know, Eve sort of takes over Margot Channing's life and uh, d- doesn't do bad things in the name of Margot Channing, but she she does kind of replace her. So I thought that you, know, you could maybe connect that to all about Eve, the, the movie with Betty Davis, and that Red Daughter is replacing Supergirl and sort of taking over her life. So uh, I when I thought about that a little more, I liked it, even though we did not see Kara watching it. I'm sure Kara has seen it at some point, being the classic film uh, aficionado that she is. But uh, I, I was really disappointed that they didn't show her watching it. But uh, so what did you think? We did get to see a little bit of Eve. She didn't have a whole lot of screen time in an episode that was supposed to be about her. <laughs> but we saw her with Red Daughter. We saw her uh, playing into the big plan, the big trap at the end. So she's helping set up the Red Daughter uh, situation where everybody's now blaming Supergirl for this terrorist act. Um, what did you think about that that plan? I thought that was nefarious. I was shocked. I mean, I kind of saw it coming, but I was also pretty surprised. Like, I didn't know. How, I figured that they were going to use Red Daughter to do something that they were going to blame on Supergirl. But, like, uh, messing up the White House, 
I was not expecting that at all. That was a surprise to me. I, I mean, it's as a nefarious plan goes, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, they trapped Supergirl so that she couldn't move, couldn't do anything. They trapped her with the Lexo suit, which I was like, oh, that's actually pretty smart because they, I, it looked like they used a little kryptonite to kind of pin her down. So that was pretty smart. And they used Eve and the hologram technology to outwit her. So that was actually pr- a pretty smart plan uh, on, on behalf of Lex, the, uh, the great mastermind that he is. Um, so they uh, they did a really good job about that. And especially coming off the heels of this uh, tracking down Eve, they finally get to Eve by the end of the episode with the trap. But the whole episode is them trying to investigate <laughs> Eve's connections and trying to track her her family down, they go to Aunt Mary's house and they meet Bitsy. Um, so uh, did you did you learn anything? Do you feel like you learned something about Eve's past by going to visit Bitsy? I mean, Bitsy seems a little high strung. I will say <laughs> that. <laughs> Bitsy has like a lot of a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> not judging her. But, I mean, she did really break those beautiful marble countertops. Oh, <laughs> devastating. Um, no, I, I I, kind of wanted to, I want, wish that that Bitsy section, like, I wish that the diving into Eve's past part of the episode was a, a little longer. Because I feel like there's so much more to know about Eve. And we don't know that much about why why she's so obsessed with Lex and why she was willing to do all these things for him. It's just kind of like, oh, Eve is evil and she always has been, which I mean, it's kind of great. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. The fact that we called that is still (laughs) incredible to me. But, uh, (laughs) but I just want to know more about like why Eve is the way she is. Yeah, I wish that we had gotten more from that Bitsy situation because they, they talked about how Eve did a really good thing by helping out her cousin who had cancer. And that is a really sweet thing for her to have done, to to know that she could heal her and make that go away and to help her out. Uh, that is a really noble thing for Eve to have done, but we didn't see her do it. And so I think it would have been more powerful for me, or at least in some way uh, more meaningful for me to have seen Eve actually have that moment with Bitsy to be like, hey, I can help you. I can I can fix you. Um, so I, I think that would have gone a long, a long way to humanize her as a real character. Now she's kind of a little bit of a <laughs> of a character, a caricature, Miss Tessmacher. She's she's this lovesick puppy who's following Lex Luthor around and she's doing his his dirty work for him. But I think something like saving her cousin from dying that would have that would have done a lot for her character so i'm a little sad that we didn't actually get to see that we only got to hear about it so i i I do wish that that could have been more of a scene that played out in this episode yeah that felt like a missed opportunity to like dive a little deeper into her character yeah so maybe next time you title an episode uh something about eve maybe make it about eve that's all we're asking uh, so, so, I mean, they did talk about her a lot, but I was disappointed we didn't get to spend more time with Eve. Um, so there was an, another character in this episode um, who was connected to the Luthers, who uh, I was not expecting to appear in this episode. Uh, so even though we didn't get 
a lot of Eve, we got a lot of Lily and Luther. So what did you think about uh, getting to see Lena's mother show back up? I was over the moon. So, so jazzed. I was like, yes, Lillian. <laughs> because as as we all know here, this is a Lillian Luther appreciation podcast. Yes. <laughs> we we love seeing her when she pops up. She was excellent as always. <laughs> she was like very deliciously evil. Um, but then she, at the end, she was like, you know what? Uh, maybe Lena has some points and like maybe Lex is a little bit, uh, a little bit of a wild card. Maybe it's a little bit easier to trust like the one uh, child I have with a moral compass. <laughs> so <laughs> I liked seeing that, like that calculus that she made where she was like, well, it's not my favorite child, but it is the one less likely to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, so do you think she was uh, like, it did sort of seem like she was nervous. Like she thought maybe Lex would kill her. Like, this wasn't a joke. Like, she kind of figured, you know, maybe Lena is right. Maybe Lex could be coming to kill me. Yeah, I definitely think that she thought that. Like, you could sort of see it in her face that she was thinking, like, uh-oh. Like, maybe I maybe I should be making some alliances for Lillian. Uh, so, I yeah, I really like that. I, I thought that, you know, it shows her, her calculating nature that she went from being like, oh, I'm so happy about my son being out to being like, Actually, <laughs> yeah, she was taunting Lena a lot in this uh, this interaction where she was uh, basically saying, uh, you know, what if your friends knew what you did and just really rubbing it into Lena and and making her feel like she was alone, like her friends were going to hate her. And then all of a sudden it turned around and Lena was like, uh, do you want to bet on the psychopath or do you want to go with me? <laughs> so the, ta- <laughs> the tables did turn on Lillian by the end of the episode. I like how she just like rolled with the punches where she was like, actually, maybe you are my favorite. <laughs> like, I-, I did like in the beginning where she's sort of telling Lena like your friends would be, you know, would turn against you if they knew and I was I just kept thinking like as is most things in this show it just feels like if Lena was just up front and just told people like hey I I felt weird about just letting my brother die so that's why I was doing this thing I feel like it's an understandable mistake to have made because a lot of the characters on this show have made probably worse mistakes uh, but because because Lillian's all in her head, I'm sure she's never going to mention it. And then it's going to be like one of those things where it was like, well, you the secret is really the problem, <laughs> which I'm sure Kara will say to her <laughs> for like maximum, <laughs> maximum hypocrisy. Yeah, Lillian is such an interesting character because the last time we saw her in the episode American Alien, which was the season four premiere from this season, uh, Lillian says, I'm not vengeful anymore. My heart's grown several sizes in here, talking about prison. And in this mm-hmm. week's episode, uh, she and Lena have an interaction where Lillian says to her, do you have to be so emotional? It's disappointing. I know you're upset that Lex outsmarted you. He hurt your poor little heart. And Lena says, well, at least I have a heart. And Lillian says, an overrated organ. So I, th- <laughs> I think it's fascinating that Lillian uh, talks a lot about hearts. 
um, even though she she acts like she doesn't have one, like she thinks it's silly to have emotions or feelings or love for someone. But the conversations with Lillian and Lena always seem to revolve around hearts. So I think that is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, that that's a good point that I didn't uh, I didn't actually pick up on that they have a lot of conversations about like what's in their hearts. Yeah. So I I I I, I it was really good to see Lillian this week. I, when she first appeared, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Lillian Luther." I got really excited. <laughs> she she seemed a little more mustache twirling this time around than she did previously. I don't know if it's because maybe she's upset with Lena cuz in the last time we saw Lillian that was when uh, she gave Lena some information and and Lena used it to get James out of trouble. I don't know if Lillian is maybe still a little bitter about that. I don't know. But Lillian seemed to kind of turn up the villain a little bit this week. I wasn't exactly expecting it that much, but it was still really good to see her. All right. So there was another... Uh, parent-child dynamic in this week's episode. And uh, Jean got uh, a surprise visit from his father. What did you think about getting to say uh, to see? I almost said say because I'm already anticipating <laughs> the problem with the pronunciation. Oh, no. Um, what did you think? Make sure I could say this correctly. What did you think about seeing Marin again. Marin. <laughs> he was back. I loved seeing him again. Uh, I loved Carl Lumley like last season. I thought he was it was great to have him back and also uh the crazy way that he said coffee. I can't remember how exactly like coffee or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh incredible. Like that's those are the little touches that I miss uh with uh with his character in the show. I'm surprised he didn't call it brown water though. I know. I was like, have you forgotten your roots? <laughs> have you forgotten brown water? <laughs> maybe it's because this was the version inside Jean's head. So maybe Jean wasn't thinking brown water. Uh, but I that's, that's just a nitpick on my behalf that I think he should have said brown water. But that's okay. Uh, I was sort of suspicious of him for most of the episode because I was waiting for him to turn out to be some like evil spirit who was going to attack Jean because he just seemed weird. He did seem really weird. I, I, for a while I was like, is this like a Manchester black thing? Like he's like in his head now or something, but no. Yeah. I, I was waiting for it to turn, but then when he said coffee, uh, very strangely, I thought, okay, maybe this, maybe this is actually Marin. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is okay. But for a little while there, I was like, something is not right about this. Um, but I, I was a little conflicted with this because Jean seemed to almost give up his Martian heritage for selfish reasons. The whole talk about the sacred symbols and how, you know, he, he, he wasn't a man of peace anymore, so he couldn't deal with that. So I don't know. I, I, it almost seemed like he was putting himself before that heritage because I felt, I felt like this episode and this interaction between these two characters really emphasized uh, the importance of remembering and preserving your history. 
And I th- I think it was good. By the end of it, I felt a little bit better about Jean because he does see he's taking a little space road trip to, <laughs> to, to pass off the sacred symbols. So I guess in some ways he is preserving it, but he's he's passing it off to someone else. And I don't know how I feel about that exactly, because part of me wants Jean to have that responsibility and take ownership of that. But then he he also doesn't feel like he is the one to do that. So I, I was a little conflicted about Jean in this episode. But I guess in, in some ways I'm glad he's taking some kind of action to to make sure that 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 green Martian religion and that history still remains. Yeah, I did. I did like that. At the end, he sort of realized that that it's not an either or proposition that like you he there can still be that Martian history without him sort of trying to be this person that he's not. Um, I did think it was very convenient that he had to go and return <laughs> the Martian history to the Martian planet, like right in the middle of this giant, like giant thing that's happening with Supergirl that he could probably be pretty helpful during, but uh, you know, it's just kind of like how, uh, Clark had to go on a on a walkabout in Argo for the whole season. <laughs> well, part of that is because Lois is pregnant. But, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to stay there a long time. Uh, you know, have the baby and then come back. Uh, but I think most of this Jean business is because David Harewood probably needed time to prepare for directing his episode of the show. So <laughs> he, he's, he's often preparing for director land. Uh, but, yeah, it was... It was pretty pretty glaring, though, because Kara, by the end of the episode, she sees this stuff happening at, at the at the um, at the White House in the Oval Office with Red Daughter posing as her. And she's she's devastated. She's shocked and disgusted by what's happened. And then we, see, you know, cut to her in her apartment by herself and she's trying to call him and she can't get in touch with him. And I just I felt so horrible for Kara. She was alone. She didn't have anyone to talk to. Uh, it was very convenient that she gave the signal watch <laughs> to Lena and Alex so that they could help her out. But yeah, it was it was sad that Jean was not able to help Carr in her time of need, even though she had been helping him through all of this identity stuff. And I, I sort of, I had to remember the fact that Jean has been going through a little bit of an identity crisis this season. When when this popped up in this week's episode. I kind I kind of thought has this really been a thing that he's been dealing with? Uh, is 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 this uh, realization that he is the Martian Manhunter? Is this really like the culmination of something? But I guess it kind of has been because he's been trying to be this man of peace. He's been trying to live up to what his father was, and so now he's trying to find his own way of living and and he realizes that he can't be his father so i guess it is a a good culmination for his character arc this season yeah i think i think for his character arc because it's been so much of being like you know i i'm a man of peace and i have to do this for my father to sort of let that go and be let and and realize that he's a different person than his father and he can't he can't live up to those ideals because those aren't weren't specifically his, um, and he's going to sort of have to go about things in his own way. I think that was an interesting, like, way to tackle that story. I just, I just found it the the timing of it to be so so convenient <laughs> that it took me a little bit out of the story where I was like, oh, really? He's he's going away right now? Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, when he would probably be very beneficial and a, a good uh, shoulder to lean on for Kara. And I guess maybe that's something we can talk about. Uh, so what did you think about Kara and Supergirl in this episode? She was teaming up with Alex and Lena a little bit. They were they were going after the, the leads to find Eve because this episode was all about Eve, as we know. They were <laughs> trying to find her and learn more about her situation so that they could get information on Lex. So what did you think about their their team up? I like their team up. But that it felt like the dream team to me. It's like <laughs> all of my all of my faves at once. Uh, but I, I really liked that when she started to go off on Lena about the the Harnell like she took a step back and and realized that she was being a little unfair to Lena uh, even though I I truly think that Lena has not thought through the repercussions uh, of just giving everybody superpowers it just doesn't <laughs> seem like the best idea and I don't know that she's really thought that one through but uh but I like that Supergirl was was willing to admit like I'm I'm a little touchy right now uh, because of the whole Lex thing, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm taking it. I was taking it out on you a little bit, and I'm sorry. And I I liked that um, we sort of got a little bit of a reset on that Supergirl and Lena relationship, where they're not so um, antagonistic with each other. Which I is funny because I feel like they haven't really been very antagonistic with each other for most of the season. And so in this episode, when they kept on uh, like mentioning, like, are you going to be okay working with Supergirl? I know that you guys have problems. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, wasn't that like uh, last season and nobody's mentioned it since. And then, <laughs> so it made sense to me when they sort of had their like, uh, kind of like, uh, conversation with each other where they became okay with each other again. I was like, oh, that's why everybody was mentioning it, just to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was a, a flip on last season's kryptonite argument where Kara, uh, you know, argues with her about well, kryptonite can harm me, and it is it is the thing that is just awful for me, and it just it burns. And Lena's like, yeah, you have that one thing. I have a million things that can kill me. Uh, so there was that <laughs> that wonderful argument <laughs> that uh, Lena completely won that argument. I still maintain to this day. So they had another kryptonite uh, debate in this episode. But I was glad to see that Kara humbled herself a little bit, knowing what was going on with them and how her... The, the weight of the world on her shoulders was impacting the way she was dealing with things. And I really liked that that insight into Supergirl and how she's dealing with this because she mentions that, you know, Cal left me here to protect Earth and I let his arch nemesis slip through my fingers and now he's causing all this chaos and we don't know where he is. We can't even find his sidekick. What are we going to do? And so I, I liked getting to... Uh, get us to the point where and because at this point in the season I always want to be cheering for the hero to get the bad guy I always want to be cheering for the hero to win and save the day and so we are getting really close to the end of the season and so I'm glad that now I'm like oh I want Supergirl to you know find Lex I want him to pay for this what he's done and I want Supergirl to get her name cleared and so I am cheering for Carr at this point which is a great feeling because last season around this time 
she was <laughs> contemplating having an affair with a married man. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't her her greatest <sighs> moment last season around this time. She was in Argo and her mom was like, "Oh, oh my god, it's been so long since I've seen you." I, I like I know you thought I was dead. Do you want to hang out? And she's like, "You know what? I've got just got this guy here and I just, <laughs> uh, have some other stuff going on." So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am glad to be able to feel like I can cheer on the hero at this point in the season. So, I even though Kara was dealing with a lot of weighty things and it was it, it was very uh, sad for me to see her so bummed out and so alone because she doesn't have Alex to talk to about this stuff really I mean she can talk to her in, in terms of Supergirl stuff but as Kara she can't she can't communicate this stuff to Alex and the only person who really knows her like that is Jean and he's taken off so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the uh, team up between the three of them progresses because they did a pretty good job. I mean, they fought off Metallo together. That was awesome that they figured out a way to, to beat that Metallo, uh, uh, even just the three of them with n- nothing really. I mean, Kara could only do so much as Supergirl because of the kryptonite, and they had to figure out a way to defeat him. And so I, I was glad to see that they uh, could come up with something so quickly and uh uh, beat a, a a really scary character. I mean, Metallo was terrifying, so uh, I was glad to see that. Yeah, that that was pretty impressive. I thought that was so cool, like fast thinking on all of their parts of that fight with Metallo. Yeah, uh, Lena, Lena used her smarts to to figure out how to make a grenade, and they made it happen. They made it explode. So it was very cool. I enjoyed that sequence a lot. Um, and speaking of explosions and uh, the after effects of that, we see that James is experiencing some kind of, I guess, PTSD of sorts from his uh, gunshot from the now infamous <laughs> Eve Tasmacher, <laughs> who is shooting and trying to kill people. Uh, so what did you think about the little storyline we got here with James and his sister Kelly? I still feel like I don't know what their relationship is and how it makes sense. Like, I feel like we don't really know enough about her. Like we haven't gotten much information about her previous to the season to like, like James talking about like, Oh, my sister Kelly is always so, you know, uh, like always wants to be right or anything like that. So every, every interaction we have with them is kind of telling us more about, who she is and like what their relationship is like. So I thought that this was an interesting, uh, an interesting storyline for them. Uh, the idea that he thinks that she only shows up when he's like in a weakened state uh, so that she can boss him around. And she is like, you know, you've been in the hospital like 500 times. <laughs> you might have just a touch of the PTSD. And he's like, no, nah, it's cool. Every time I get shot, it makes me stronger. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, my favorite part of that whole storyline obviously was when she walked into his office (laughs) and told him that she could fit 10 of her apartments in there and I wanted him (laughs) to say that's funny this is where I live (laughs) but I assume that that was that was a sort of an unsaid (laughs) moment (laughs) but believe me I took note of it (laughs) yeah I didn't know what to think about Kelly. I'm really, I, 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 I like the actress, but the 
the character I'm really struggling to get on board with because when she first showed up, she comes into the hospital when James is, you know, going through surgery, his life is on the line, and she's like, eh, I've been, I've been here, I've done this before, it's no big deal. And now all of a sudden in this episode, she's like, James, you have got to do something. You need to get help. And I was like, well, why weren't you this concerned about him when he was possibly dying on the <laughs> surgery table? I did not understand that at all. I thought that that was very strange uh, for her to to act like that, because if if it was so commonplace that Lex tried to kill James, why didn't she bring up this PTSD stuff the after the first or second time that Lex had tried to kill him. Why now? Why is it such a big deal now? So I, I, I don't know. I just thought, for me, that was written very strangely. It didn't really tie into the other time we saw them interact in the hospital. Yeah, it did seem weird to me. I, I picked that up as well. I was like, mm, now she's suddenly very concerned like that he's fine and like... I don't know. It was very strange. And also, like, the amount of times that they said, like, Lex has almost killed you eight times. It was just a little bit overboard where it's like, we get it. Like, he's Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Lex has gone after him before. <laughs> they have a history. There is a history there. <laughs> that we have never seen because the show doesn't want a flashback to it, even though that would be awesome. Um, the only thing I got out of the the Kelly and James storyline, which I'm glad that they they kind of patched things up at the end, and James realized that he needed to get help. That's very good for him. I I think that will be beneficial to him because he he did have a pretty traumatic experience at the end of the episode. He's in the Oval Office when Red Daughter comes in as Supergirl, and uh, that's not going to help him at all. That's just going to make no, things that's- worse. That's not gonna. That's not gonna make the. Uh, <laughs> that's not gonna make the situation any better. <laughs> it's just gonna make it worse. Um, but I did think it was really funny at the beginning of the episode, before all of that happens, that uh, Kelly says to him, "They dress their patients in business attire in this hospital," and I just kind of chuckled to myself because I was like, "Well, Lena Luther does own this I hospital." Was about- <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anything is possible when it comes to Lena Luther. She's like, actually, yes. Instead of a hospital gown, I feel like that. That's not formal enough. All of them must be in three-piece suits. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it, because if, if Kelly wasn't really visiting him and everybody else is off looking for Eve Tessmacher, who was helping James? You, normally, if you're staying in the hospital for an extended stay, you might have somebody go home and get you, get, get you a change of clothes. I mean, who who was helping James with that? So I, I wondered if, if Lena had... Uh, you know, fully, fully close, you know, a fully stocked uh, closet of three piece suits in there for James. Like, just get up, get one and go out. Uh, so I, I just I thought that was funny. That is so funny. I like the idea of him being like, oh, hey, Lena, could you just like bring me something like quick to wear? <laughs> and like then she comes in and she was like, is the tux and tails OK? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I guess. But it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, but you're going to work. So you need that tux and tails <laughs> and maybe a top hat. Exactly. It's like, what what else would you wear to leave the hospital, James? <laughs> what are you, a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> to go to your office job. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the only explanation. 
Uh, so I guess the only thing that we have left to talk about really is uh, the fact that the show is completely committed to repealing the Amnesty oh, Act. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, do you have any thoughts about Ben Lockwood or uh, President Baker giving his big address and, and uh, the United States considering Supergirl public enemy number one now? Do you have any thoughts in the... Uh, uh, constitutional realm or uh, the the topical realm? Um, so I have a lot of good thoughts about how I'm concerned that the Supergirl writers don't know how uh, things work. Like, I just, wouldn't you consult, um, like, you're uh, like an expert like google um to just i can't <laughs> it was a it's just it's hard for me it was a it was an executive order and so none of this makes sense but <laughs> uh i did think that the like the idea that like lex has been using ben lockwood this whole time was interesting and that he it doesn't seem like he actually knew about it like he wasn't in on it it doesn't seem from you know the the scene at the end of the episode is also interesting it didn't seem he seemed like almost concerned by that the idea that maybe um lex was involved in some of this stuff so i kind of i was starting to wonder if he was going to like start looking deeper into that but um, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Ben Lockwood is going to do because you're right. He didn't seem to know anything about working with Lex Luthor. He didn't even think that Otis was alive. So he has no idea what their plans are and what they're doing. And he seemed very scared when that Supergirl came into the, the Oval Office and starting started killing people. Uh, but I think this is just going to make, I mean... Knowing Ben Lockwood's character and what he's been through so far, this is just going to make him even more dedicated to his cause, I would think, that he would see Supergirl as a threat and realize that this is something that needs to be taken care of. He's the head of the Department of Alien Affairs, so this is this is on him to help take care of. Uh, so I, I think this is just going to make him even even more against aliens. Yeah, I think so too. I was I was concerned with the fact that President Baker was d- declaring martial law because Supergirl attacked them. It seemed an it seemed like quite a reaction. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to help yeah, anything. Yeah, that's that was my main concern. I was like, I listen, I get something like really dramatic happened, but also how does that help anything? Like, how does that help in any way? Yeah, I because I don't know what what that's what what that's actually going to do. But the what what Red Daughter did as Supergirl is that is a really heinous act. And that if that I don't I don't want to think about like what that would be like if that happened in the real world. But if it did, that would be huge. That would be everywhere on the news people would be talking about it people would be holding candlelight vigils people would be donating blood i mean just all kinds of stuff like i mean people would be uh you know i mean talk about conspiracy corner there'd be conspiracies about it it would just (laughs) it would just be this 
Uh, the military would probably be on alert. So th that's a that's a big thing that happened. Th that cannot be overstated. Uh, that that is a a terrorist act of the highest order for that to have happened. So uh, this is this is a big big deal. So I, I, but but at the same time, uh, like 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 we said, I don't know how martial law is going to help anything. Um, it seems like they should just be going after Supergirl. Uh, and that would that would be the threat that they need to contain. Uh, but I guess at this point, if we're following the logic of uh, this universe's constitution, uh, the Am Alien <laughs> Amnesty Act has been repealed, uh, even though that's not how that works. It has been repealed. I guess aliens no longer have uh, rights as United States citizens. Uh, so I guess we're going to have to go with that as part of this story. But it did, if I'm honest, every time they said repeal, it agitated me. I know. I was like, you, it's it's an executive order, so you can't. <laughs> and I just like, gave up. I did, too. I was like, fine, whatever. I can't fight this anymore. It's just a thing. <laughs> this is what it is, I guess. We're all in this together. <laughs> they even went so far as to, to meet with a senator to make sure they had all the votes. And I was like, no, this is not how this works. This is not I how know, any of like, this really, works. Really? No, come on. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's a thing now. So uh, the Alien Amnesty Act, I guess, is no more. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Morgan, uh, I, I guess, what are your overall thoughts about this episode since uh, since you're back with us, uh, back from uh, Disney World magic and uh, back into Supergirl, what did you think about this episode all about Eve? I liked this one. I, I didn't like it as much as like the previous two episodes because I felt like, uh, once again, the 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 government stuff um, sort of takes me out of the episode when they're like, we got to, you know, we got to whip the votes for this. I'm like, no, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought that, the, and I wish that there was, it was more about Eve, honestly. But I loved the, um, the Supergirl, Lena, Alex, like dream team team up that I thought that was awesome as they like were detectiving around and, you know, uh, destroyed a metallo and everything that was really cool i thought that the john stuff was pretty good uh, i liked seeing um space granddad back even though we we will never know how properly to pronounce his name <laughs> so and and also my girl lillian luther uh was in this one so that's always going to be an automatic good score for me so i liked this episode uh, i thought it was pretty good yeah, I would agree. Uh, even though this episode should have had more Miss Tessmacher, it just <laughs> it just should have. Uh, the fact that Andrea Brooks was only in a few scenes, uh, I was very disappointed in that. But they did make up for it with uh, some strong emotional stuff from Supergirl. Even even though she didn't get a lot, I did feel the weight of the world on her shoulders, and I liked that a lot. I really loved seeing Lily and Luther again. Uh, it, it made uh, the episode for me, and I, I did enjoy seeing the return of Carl Lumbly. He is always a delight, even though I was really suspicious of him for a little while. <laughs> he turned out to be uh, okay, and he was the Marin inside Jean's mind. So uh, I, I did like that a lot. Um, 
I did enjoy, uh, they, they didn't show Nia, but they mentioned that Nia's in the Fortress of Solitude trying to dream up what Lex's plan might be. And <laughs> that uh, made me laugh because I just pictured Nia, like, uh, maybe in a bed in the fortress, like, laying out with a blanket and a pillow, and she's just chilling at the fortress. Just maybe, just tr- just trying to dream it up. Just trying to see what she can dream about what Lex is doing. I wish we got an action, like an action montage of her, <laughs> but it's just all her like sleeping in various positions, <laughs> but with like the Rocky music in the background. I was like, do 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 do, and it's just like she like flips over to her back and like do do do, and then it like zooms into her, but she's just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. Uh, why isn't there a picture of Nia sleeping? Why didn't James pick a, take a picture of Nia sleeping? I know. Maybe that's more appropriate than, than the Lennon <laughs> picture. Uh, but so there was that that funny little mention of Nia, and of course, Brainy gets his his Legion ring back, so that's that's good stuff. But yeah, so even though I wanted more Eve out of this episode called All About Eve, I thought it was a another strong outing for the show. Got got a got a pretty good run here. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll continue it for the rest of the season. Yeah, I've been really enjoying the the current like current crop of episodes. So keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if they can hold the momentum. Uh, but that's going to do it for our discussion. So let's find out what our listeners had to say about uh, all about Eve. Um, our first tweet comes from S- uh, at SL Fricky, who said, "Seeing Alex stand up for Lena and Kara Mitch." She was wrong. Felt so good. <laughs> so many O's in that. Uh, however, why can't Jimmy be the one getting written out instead of Jean? Um, because he's James, the grown man Olsen, actually. Well, there's that. And also, <laughs> Jimmy is not directing an episode of the show soon. So that's my guess. At Rachel Joy 23 said, I really liked Kara referring to Superman as Cal in this episode when talking with John. And then Kara bringing apology bribery donuts to the <laughs> DEO in a reversal of when Alex did the same, as well as Kara giving Brainy his ring back. Also, Kara, Alex, and Lena are great together. I didn't understand how the donuts survived a flight with Supergirl. Those are some very strong donuts. <laughs> Uh, at Kenny Crowley said three great episodes of Supergirl in a row Um, at Chris Fundalinski said anytime Melissa Benoist, Kylo Lee and Katie McGraw are together in a scene is just pure gold love them teaming up and it's always cool to see Kara using her cape as a shield do you think Ben Lockwood will flip sides now he knows Lex was pulling his strings what are your thoughts on that I did kind of wonder for a second like when he looked concerned about the Lex thing if he would maybe like be like no I'm my own man but uh I, I don't know that that's the way he's he 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 really likes he really likes uh being the head of his children of liberty so I don't know that he's flipping any sides anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> he loves that he loves being the man in the iron mask so <laughs> I think he's gonna go full Leo next week um at Patty Mello 20 said, I just want to I just want a whole show with Cara, Lena and Alex hanging out and investigating things together. I can't believe we had Lillian and Space Granddad back in the same episode. What do you guys think is the reason for James being the only one uh, cured with the serum with no powers? I don't understand that, to be quite honest. I kind of thought he should have had powers, but I know Lena was trying to get it so that the, the powers weren't in there 
But I, I don't know. I don't fully understand it. So my theory is that um, they're easing us into this storyline. And what the storyline is, is Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen. And that I haven't given up on it. It is it is deep in my heart. And I won't give up on it. <laughs> it has to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, at Karen uh, underscore Keller says, Surprised Alex stood up for Lena and Supergirl forgave her so easily. But it felt good seeing the three of them team up. Um, at Jesso13 said, uh, Colonel Haley is winning me over, and I'm glad I was wrong about her. Alex teaming up with and trusting Lena is the best, and I actually think Alex not knowing Super- Kara is Supergirl has helped improve Alex's relationship with Lena, which is probably the only positive thing I'll say about the memory wipe. <laughs> Um, at um, at a queer Desi says, uh, I can't be the only one who was unsatisfied by how easily Lena is off the hook. Besides committing manslaughter, <laughs> Lena's creation of synthetic kryptonite is the reason why we have more versions of Metallo. She's basically enabled the creation of super soldiers who can kill Supergirl. I mean, okay, that's a that's maybe the most ungenerous version <laughs> of <laughs> listen. You're go- when you're when you're making an omelet, you're gonna create a couple of towels. That's how it works, right? <laughs> uh, but it's true, though. She did get off a little, uh, maybe a little too. There should have been maybe a longer conversation. <laughs> I just want somebody to, to to like look at her and just be like, Lena, I love you. Explain to me how giving everyone powers is going to help anything. Um, <laughs> And just just chart out how you think this is going to work for me. <laughs> just take me from A to B. Because I don't think that she has done that in her head yet. <laughs> and and she maybe should have before she uh, science killed that dude. Uh, <laughs> um, at Mark1246 said, Only thing that bothered me was why Team Supergirl didn't think that was an obvious trap. No one else saw Eve's malfunction on live TV. Also, Lex Luthor is loose and is not a high-level threat. You would think with all the... the I'm assuming that in National City they have... I mean, they have CatCo. They've got to have some, like, 24-hour cable news. I'm sure somebody's, like, reviewing the tapes and seeing <laughs> that there was a glitch that happened with uh the i guess a, a senator and eve tessmacher surely somebody's on the news like talking about this but i don't know Maybe. yeah that one made me laugh too i was like really does no one else notice that no no one else saw that okay do they not have the internet like in the in national city in the world in on earth 38 because you know that there would be like a million conspiracy twitters that would be like hashtag you know the blip or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag all about Eve. Um, At VH451 said, The CW giveth and the CW taketh away. (laughs) Three Three great episodes. And now we have to wait three weeks? Not cool, CW. Other thoughts. One, yay, loving team Alex Carlina. Two, too bad there's no Batgirl. We could have Supergirl, Batgirl, public enemies. Yeah, I I think uh, there were a lot of similarities to the public enemy stories uh, that are both in the comics and in the animated movie. Of, of course, the animated movie is very famous for having Lex Luthor, Metallo. So, yeah, I mean, there are some elements there. Um, at Mark H. B. 
BPWM said, I do think, like the movie, evil indeed turn on Lex. Ben's son in DC is actually Otis, and the real kid is tied up somewhere. That's why we saw Otis save Mikhail to set that up. I hope Eve and Kara uh, Munist. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid, Mark. Good one. Stick around. The show needs more fun villains. Caramunist. Caramunist. I like that. I like it. I uh, like it. Yeah, I think if uh, if I had gotten around to making conspiracy uh, corner jingles, uh, <laughs> this would be a good time to use it because that that's a good theory that maybe Otis is uh, pretending to be somebody in the Oval Office just like Eve is. Um, at Danshin underscore Panda said, Kara was so soft when she apologized to Lena. Glad we finally see a little more about her feelings and burdens. My favorite outfit of Lena was the Lois Laneish white top and vest. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I, no kidding, had the exact same thought that she looked like Lois Lane there in the prison with Lillian. Uh, so that I did think for me, that was my favorite look of hers of of the episode because it just it made me think of Lois. Thought it was awesome. I liked that look because first off, we got uh, we got a little clavicle. Uh, <laughs> her shoulders were in. But I mean, there, there, it was a little bit lower of a cut. Like we've been, we've been getting a lot of power blazers, which <laughs> I appreciate. Uh, <laughs> she's really coming into her own as an investigator, uh, and she's like, "I need to dress the part." But in this, in this scene, I, I liked her like her Lois Lane attire. I liked that her vest had like some pinstripes on it. She kind of looked like a. She kind of looked like a cross between Lois Lane and like a very classy mobster. And I loved it. She's also really rocking a very bold lip. Like that lip <laughs> said, Mom, I'm in control now. You're in prison. You don't have lipstick. I have lipstick. <laughs> You're not the boss of me, Mom. <laughs> I mean, that it says a lot. Uh, and I think previously we talked about how Lena's look when she was at the Invincible Mansion with Lex her her blouse was buttoned all the way to the top well here she was she was letting it be a little looser she felt a little more comfortable with Lillian uh because she was in control yeah she's like I have the upper hand now I can unbutton a couple buttons (laughs) (laughs) so there is your quality analysis of Lena Luther's wardrobe for (laughs) the week And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? All right. Well, we received a question from Abby who asks, uh, quote, Supergirl mentioned that Lex likes to attack within 48 hours of escaping. Where did she get this information or am I missing something? Uh, no, that's a that's a good question. It's a question I had. Uh, it was not explained at all. But I'm just assuming that maybe before Cal and Lois went to Argo to have their baby, that maybe he left Kara some some tips on, hey, if Lex does something, this is what it's going to be like. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just guessing he gave her some tips. I just kind of start have started hoping that in every episode they just drop a piece of information that like we've never heard before. <laughs> so like in next week. Supergirl will be like, Lex Luthor loves grilled cheese. Everyone knows that. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then Jimmy like flashes back to like when he was tortured with grilled cheese or something. Uh, <laughs> we should laugh does, about it that. Does, it does feel like we're getting like a lot of like Lex Luthor facts being told to us. And it would be nice to get some of them. Like there's, there's a lot of telling and not as much showing as mm-hmm. I would generally like. Like I, I do appreciate that we got the big Lex Luthor episode last, last episode, but it would be nice to, Maybe just just like a flashback would be great. We know they they have John Cryer. Yeah, use him as much as possible. <laughs> uh, Fanny wrote in to correct Rebecca, saying in last week's podcast, you and your co-host tossed you and your co-host talked about Big Belly Burger because Red Daughter disguised as Kara mentioned it to Lena in the elevator. You said uh, you were actually unsure. This was the first time there was a mention on Supergirl, but it was not. I remember it from the beginning of season four. Because it was one of my favorite Carolina friendship moments. For more information, plus when there were other mentions of Big Belly Burger, here is a description from the Arrow Fandom Wiki. <laughs> On October, oh, let's get into it. On October 18th, <laughs> Car Danvers surprised Lena Luther, who had constantly skipped lunches and dinners due to work, with a bag of Big Belly Burger at L Corp. They ate food together while Car interviewed Lena about Mercy Graves. In late November 2018, uh. Lena brought her Harnell test subject, Adam, a bag of Big Belly Burger. Ooh, that did not go well for him. Adam, <laughs> That was his last supper. <laughs> Big Belly Burger. Adam offered some of his fries to Lena, who gladly accepted a piece. Look, sometimes I forget things. I have notes, but I did not uh, access them at the time of recording. So that's on me. So I appreciate you, Fanny, writing in to correct the record. Uh, I I really appreciate not only Fanny for writing in to make sure that uh, that was set straight, but I also want to thank the people who do these uh, fandom wikis, uh, who actually document all of that stuff, because it helps helps, uh, me in addition to my my Google notes that I try to make. So, uh, yeah, good memories, good notes. Uh, now we have confirmation that Big Belly Burger has played a significant part in Supergirl. <laughs> so that's good to know. Well, we have an email from Andreas who sent in a nitpick writing, quote, even if you have superpowers, you wouldn't take the pie out of your stove with your bare <laughs> hands, especially if you've especially if you have used oven gloves your whole life. So the super serum not only gives you superhuman strength, but also invulnerability or only heat resistance, unquote. Uh, So I don't really know how this super serum works. Is it just based on the person who gets it? Is it a certain strand of it that gives certain people some superpowers, or is it based on the person? Like, did Bitsy have something about her genetic code that made her have those specific powers, whereas Lex, based on his genetic code, has a different set of superpowers? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm I'm interested, too, in how that's all going to uh, shake out. I mean, does it mean that... L- like James definitely becomes a turtle boy. I think so. <laughs> That's the only thing we're really concerned about in terms of the super serum. Does it make James turtle boy? <laughs> uh, we have an email from Emily who writes for an episode titled all about Eve. I guess I expected Eve to be on screen more than she was. <laughs> uh, they talked about her a lot, but she only made three brief appearances. 
Uh, that aside, I like the episode. Supergirl, Alex, and Lena. My dream team since last season's episode Trinity. Interestingly, also the 17th episode of the season. Uh, I was bracing for a rehash of Lena versus Supergirl over the Harinelle, but was pleasantly surprised at Supergirl's admitting why it bothers her so much and apologizing. Bygones. Uh, the Jean storyline was good, although didn't seem to fit very well in this episode. Jane's story was fine. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to see where this goes. In conclusion, I could have used 30% less James, 50% less Lockwood, 35% more Lillian Luther, and 100% more Eve. I'm sure that math is solid. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, so some of uh, good points there. Uh, people seem to really like the uh, Supergirl Alex Lena uh, team. Yeah, so, it's a good team up. So maybe we'll, we'll get to see them interact more. Well, Alex wrote in with some thoughts on Lillian Luther, saying, quote, Lillian Luther has always been my favorite Luther. And this week's episode was classic Lillian when she tortured Lena with the same kind of threat she made to Kara in season two, basically telling Lena when the people you care about find out about what uh, find out you have been lying to them, they will hate you. Lillian has a real Joker thing going on with the way she plays with people's minds. She has let both Lena and Kara know that she has something hanging over both of them. That being said, this is the first time I recall Lillian ever being scared. Lena is showing her the map with her name written in red left her shaken and afraid. By the way, I think when the season is over and Lex's plans have been thwarted, Lillian will find a way for both Kara and Lena's secrets to be revealed, just as an act of revenge for going against Lex, unquote. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Even though uh, Lena's been helping Lillian, that doesn't mean Lillian can't uh, get revenge on Lena for some reason. That seems <laughs> that seems possible. It doesn't seem like uh, that's too out of the ordinary for Lillian. So, yeah, good points and uh, good theory. Daryl asks, did anyone else notice the complete 180 that Brenda Strong's portrayal of Lillian took from her previous appearance? She was actually approaching some level of humanity last time, and this time just pure evil Lillian again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did think she was a little more aggressively evil this time around uh, for an inexplic- inexplicable reason. But, uh, you know, I'm okay with it because I like it when she's like that. Uh, Lillian was like, uh, like, Lillian's on the ups this time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like before she was kind of, she's kind of, you know, she's in jail. Not, things aren't going Lillian's way. Like maybe, maybe she's reflecting on her bad behavior, but now she's like, Lex is out and it's Lillian's time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, uh, Gina wrote in with the question, uh, quote, with James's odd reactions, do you think he has powers or is it just the product of PTSD, unquote? Uh, That's a good question because we don't know if that's him reacting to something that's going on with him in his in his genes and his DNA. But it does seem to be uh, something related to PTSD because a lot of. What he was going through happened when he he felt like he heard a gunshot. So I I think it's more related to that. But I also would like to think it's related to uh, possible Turtle Boy uh, feelings or instincts or something that's kicking in. Uh, So it it could be. We we don't know. But as of right now, it looks like just uh, some sort of PTSD. 
we have an email from John who shares a speculation about Red Daughter's possible fate, writing, If I recall when Wynn left the show last season, didn't the showrunners say they already had an idea for a story arc that provided a way he could come back and guest star? What if he comes back and takes Red Daughter to the future and she becomes the Supergirl that joins the Legion, as depicted in some of the comics run comic runs? Yeah, I mean, that could be a way that they do it. I think a lot of people have taken Red Daughter, even though she has killed a lot of people. Let's not forget that. <laughs> I know I know she looks adorable in that fuzzy little hat. And she really she, does. <laughs> and she has uh, funny scenes with Miss Tessmacher, but she's killed a lot of people. So let's not forget that part of her character. Uh, so I, I think they could do that. And the, the showrunners did mention that with Wynn. But I would sort of not like that because I think Supergirl being a Legionnaire is such a big part of her character, and especially in the comics. And it's such a, a big thing, a, a really important part of her character that I I wouldn't want to see that being given to some other version of Kara. I want that for my Kara. So um, I think it's a good theory, but uh, I have to disagree that I, I don't want to see it personally. Well, Danae sent us an email writing, quote, I loved Lena and Alex teaming up with Supergirl, especially since they're the two people who don't know Kara's secret identity. The last time they teamed up was in the 17th episode of last season, and it was an episode that uh, in which the kryptonite fight began. So to see them work together and also resolve that fight was great. And I love that they believe that Supergirl did not attack the White House, not because they know she's Kara, but, but because they know Supergirl, unquote. That's a really good point that I didn't think about, that they have... Uh, believed in Supergirl just in the fact that she's Supergirl and they know what Supergirl stands for and what she's done in the past. And it's not about their attachment to Kara Danvers. So that's a, that's a really good point. Courtney sent us an email saying, this season is really getting good. It kind of makes up for all the haphazard storylines from earlier in the season. But was it really worth the incoherent storylines <laughs> just to get us to this point? Maybe that's how the craziness of Lex Luthor works, but did we really need all the rigmarole to get there? Mm -hmm. Maybe Lex's schemes do tend to be convoluted, but I would have preferred... Oh, maybe Lex's schemes do tend to be convoluted, but I would have preferred lost level convoluted versus amateur hour convoluted. If Courtney's talking about Lost, the TV show, I 100% agree uh, about that because lost level convoluted was always amazing. Uh, islands disappeared. There was time travel. There were polar bears on islands. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of convoluted that that I'm into. So, uh, yeah, if the show could lean into that, I'd be into it. Well, our final email comes from uh, a another Lena, not Lena Luther, but a Lena <laughs> who listens to this podcast, who lives in Russia and writes, quote, When I first heard the name Kaznia, it was really disappointing for me. This name sounded prejudiced and uh, dully, which is an interesting word that we don't really use here in America. Uh, so that's interesting. I'm going to have to look that up later. Uh, Lena goes on to say, like, there wouldn't be any single bright spot in this place, and everybody is a villain and suffering. The name Kaznia is built from the wor- Russian word, and I'm going to try to say this correctly. I think it's Kaizen, which means execution or punishment. So it sounds clearly villainous. But it all suddenly gained more sense after episode 16 with the single phrase when Lex told uh, Red Daughter, you're Kaznia. Not only does she repre- represent 
this strange country in the battle for so-so justice, she is a punishment. And uh, the name Kara means punishment, too, at least in Russian. Uh, it writes and sounds exactly like uh, Supergirl's name. So if we consider that Kaznia and Kara are synonyms, it means that Lex literally says, you're Kara. And if Supergirl's writers merge these meanings intentionally, then it's just brilliant. And uh, Lena goes on to say, and by the way, Lena is very co- is a very common name here in Russia. It's an unofficial form of Elena. So I can say that there is literal, li- literally an army of red Lenas here, uh, red Lenas here, and I am one of them. <laughs> that's awesome! What a cool email. Yeah, that's really neat because you know we don't speak Russian. I don't. I don't know, Morgan. I can't speak for you. Maybe you speak Russian, and that's something I don't know about you. I don't even know enough Russian to pretend. <laughs> to speak Russian. That's how, <laughs> how little I know. <laughs> so it is neat to know about the the, the word etymologies uh, of some of these things. Um, the only thing I can uh, give you in terms of information about Kaznia is that Kaznia is a fictional country in the world of the DC animated universe. Uh, it first appeared in the premiere episode of Superman, the animated series, which is titled The Last Son of Krypton. It was also mentioned in some other animated stuff like a Bat, uh, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited shows, uh, Batman Beyond, uh, the animated feature Justice League Gods and Monsters, Batman Arkham Knight, Justice League Action. And of course, we've, we've also had some Kaznia mentions in the Arrowverse. Uh, in, in addition to Supergirl, it's also been mentioned on Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. So Kaznia is a fictional name that came before the Supergirl writers, but I like your reading into uh, the fact, you know, the fact that Kaznia is uh, a punishment and that Red Daughter being Kara is is the punishment for, um, you know, uh, Lex telling her about America and all the, the terrible things that America has done. So I, I think that's a cool way to read into that. Yeah, that is very neat. And we also have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Mauricio Mark here. Just wanted to say my another review for this episode. So I'm glad they explained how Otis is alive, but here's my two quick question for this one. Did they write out Mercy because the actress didn't want to be in it or something? Because it feels so weird that they didn't mention Mercy at all. It feels like they've written her out. And two, um, does it not feel like, okay, at the, I'm sorry for spoiling this, but at, well, not spoiling this interview, but um, at the end of the episode, I mean, we had our past four, three seasons, we had Bizarre Supergirl, Red Kryptonite Supergirl that was evil and all this, but like, once again, it feels like it's going to do the same trip, like, oh, Supergirl's evil, we have to all hate her, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, but we've done this three times already. It's, it's kind of getting old now, but I just want to know your opinions about that. But awesome episode. Love to see Mimir again with his trolley attitude. It was, it was a delight to see that. And a good reason why John is not here for the next few episodes or so, because I was like, what? He's not there in the most crucial time. But yeah, but anyways, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Adios. So Mauricio's two big questions. Uh, so now that we know how Moti- how Otis has survived, he's alive because of uh, what what they did with Metallo. Uh, is there any hope for a resurrection for Mercy? Have we given up completely? I I, I kind of think I have at this point. I haven't given up on Mercy. <laughs> I feel like she might be out there somewhere. Maybe she has a a Metallo heart. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. 
I don't know. <laughs> it it seems like they resurrect. Like if you were going to resurrect one of them, like the one of the two Graves siblings, Otis is not the one I would have picked. No, not at all. It also feels like if you're only going to resurrect one and like not the other, just a throwaway line like it's too bad Mercy didn't make it would be great. <laughs> so I'm not like spending the whole rest of the season just waiting for her to pop out of a bush or <laughs> jump out of a deserted lab or something. You know, like I just I keep waiting for her to show up. She doesn't. And I it's know. Disappointing. So disappointing. <laughs> uh, Mauricio's other question is uh, he, he wonders if it's getting old that we've seen a lot of evil Supergirls like the Red K Car from season one, Bazaar. Zaro and and this red daughter that we're seeing now in season four. What are you, what are your thoughts on that, Morgan? Do you are you kind of like over evil Supergirl? I like evil Supergirl. I I always think it's like a fun a fun way of exploring her character. But they do lean on it an awful lot. Like we've gotten Red K Kara, we've gotten the Bizarro Kara, we've gotten the Red Daughter. But even just last season, Rain was basically a dark. Supergirl in a lot of ways. So we've gotten this story many, many times. So I can understand why people would be tired of it, I guess is basically my thing. Like I'm, I like what they're doing with it this season, but if we get to next season and there's another evil version of Supergirl, it's going to become the, the pod of this series <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i've been okay with it so far but i think after this season where they've played their hand where they actually have a supergirl now who is part of kara like she was created out of a connection to kara i i think that's it i think you've played your hand that's all you get now i don't think i don't i don't think you get any more evil supergirls after this that's that's my personal opinion uh, I think now we we've really we've done it. We have gotten the the, the opposite of Kara now, um, in addition to the rain stuff, which I do agree was a, a very much a dark mirror of Supergirl. So for me, it is getting old uh, a little bit. I don't know how how many more times they can do this. So I'd be okay if we never saw an evil Supergirl after this. This is at Kara underscore Quirrell, and it's time for the Legion Minute. Last week, John, I am the Martian Manhunter, Jones referenced the story of a species of shapeshifters who forgot their original form and culture. That species is the one of which President Marzen and Legionnaire Reap Daggle, aka Chameleon Boy, are members. The Durlin species. Uh, I'm going to read now from an entry in the Encyclopedia Galactica, which appears in Legion of Superheroes number 301. It's an excellent issue if you're looking for a great all-around Legion read, by the way. And it is by Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen. Durla. Only planets of its star system, Durla once sustained a high-order civilization whose warlike tendencies ultimately ended in the Six-Minute War. The conflict reduced the planet to nuclear rubble, gradually mutating the natives until they gained the power to change their form instantly to adapt to circumstances and ultimately created a barbaric tribal life on what is colloquially called the Chameleon Planet. Few samples of Durlin architecture remain, and those that do are in a state of slow decay from the instantaneous burn of implosion bombs which killed all inhabitants. The form of the inhabitants in the time of the Holocaust is unknown, as no remains have been found in identifiable condition. 
archaeological and anthropological permits are not granted. Whole sections of the planet are essentially barren, wasted by the impact of the high-intensity fusion weapons developed to destroy military bases. Insects, lizards, and lower-order life-form dwell in these regions. Each tribe has adopted a characteristic shape used in their rituals and worn by the Derlins of the tribe who leave the planet. The relationship of any of these shapes to the natural appearance of Derlins is unknown. Yet best available data indicates that these shapes may be those worn by the primary ancestors of the tribe at the temple, the alleged source of the inhabitants' unique abilities. So to sum all this up, after the Derlin apocalypse, the survivors resorted to tribalism, with each tribe taking a different form, and no way to know what their form was originally. The closest was probably that of a tentacled, Cthuloid humanoid form, but Derlin's like Chameleon Boy and Chameleon Girl chose a bald, orange, humanoid form with antenna and pointy ears, uh, and that may be similar to President Marsden's form. It's not exactly the same as the story that Martian Manhunter told, but it's pretty close, uh, and I think that changing it to fit the needs of the show was a really good call. That's all the time we have for the Legion Minutes. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as Eckhar underscore Quirrell. Also, make sure to catch me on at Swamp Thing Radio. Long live the Legion! Well, before we wrap up our feedback, we have some Snap Judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first Snap Judgment comes from at Mark HBPWM, who asks... Sparkly ears from a certain Florida theme park <laughs> or hat's hat. Hmm. That I mean that's tough because like listen, the sparkly ears are great <laughs> and uh, they make you feel very fancy. <laughs> um but hat's hat does have the ability to basically pull out anything and like I feel like you never know when you just need a rabbit. So I'm going hat hat. <laughs> yeah, and and Mark made a note saying we cannot pull the sparkly ears out of hat's hat. So there is that I, condition. I was going to go for that loophole, and then Mark shut me down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always the loophole in any given hat's hat question. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even so, I'm going to go hat's hat because you can you can get anything out. Uh, so the the ears are fun, but hat's hat can get you anything else. So I, that's what I'm going to go with. All right, so we have some snap judgments from Abby, who asks, 10 of Kelly's apartments or James's apartment <laughs> under a desk? Which one are you going to pick? Obviously, James' apartment under the desk. He's got a sweet setup down there. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Maybe he goes under the desk and it's like the, the Harry Potter tents. Like, you just go and it becomes this bigger <laughs> location. It's the TARDIS under there. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> I'm going to go James's apartment under his desk, too, because uh, I want to see what's what's down there. Uh, Abby also asks, being a congressman or woman and having the power to repeal an executive order... <laughs> Or having magical real estate in National City that will never be harmed by alien attacks or invasions. <laughs> Which mm. would you pick? So this is a tough one because it would be great to just have the power to repeal whatever executive order <laughs> you want Oh, I don't like that, Mr. President. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
I have to, I'm, I'm existing in the world of Earth 38 and not my current world. And I feel like my main concern would be not dying in May. So I'm going to go magical real estate. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the Constitution. So I don't want to go against uh, the checks and balances that we have set up in the United States government. So I, I don't think I should be able to repeal an executive order. I think that should belong to the executive branch. So I'm going to go... Uh, having magical real estate in national cities so that I can never be harmed by alien attacks or invasions. That sounds like something that uh, you would need. Uh, Well, we have some snap judgments from Danae. Uh, The first one is, which spinoff show would you rather see? A Luther spinoff with Lena and Lillian or a Martian spinoff with Jean and Marin? Hmm. I mean, I got to go Luther's. I go Luther's every time. How, how? Why? I mean, Jean and Moran are really cute, but Lena and Lillian, come on. That's yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Lena in the gray sweater, in the purple jacket, or in the black vest in this episode? Ooh. So it's a real neck and neck race between the black <laughs> vest and the gray sweater. Um, but I have to go gray sweater because she looks so cozy. She just looks so cozy. Yeah, if we're talking about that gray sweater from a couple of episodes ago, that was that was peak Lena Luther sweater. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, the purple jacket was pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm gonna go gray sweater. It, it that was a great sweater. Uh, so Danae's last snap judgment uh, is: Who do you think will tell Lena that Kara is Supergirl? Lillian or Lex? I feel like Lillian. Mm. I think Lillian's going to dangle it over their heads because uh, she has not revealed it yet. So I'm thinking Lex. I'm going to go Lex on this one. Ooh, interesting. Uh, all right. So our last set of snap judgments come from uh, Gina, who asks, best peace offering, car bringing you Big Belly Burgers or Supergirl bringing you donuts? Which one would you rather eat? Hmm. I mean, the donuts looked pretty good. I'm going to go donuts. I'm going to go Big Belly Burgers. It, they, they hype it up a lot in the Arrowverse, so I would want to try what a Big Belly Burger tastes like. Uh, so the next one is best use of Supergirl's powers in this episode. Super strength with uh, tearing tearing down the door off of Eve's safe or uh, or uh, Supergirl's super hearing to show Bitsy was lying. Which one did you think was cooler? Mm. Um, super strength. I did enjoy ripping the door off the safe, but I'm going to give it up for the super hearing on this uh, because I like any time they remind people that Kryptonians can hear heartbeats because I think that's really unique. And I think it's a really cool, intimate thing that they can do. So uh, I liked that uh, Supergirl could tell how fast her heart was beating. So that was really cool. So I'm going to go give it up to super hearing on this one. All right. Our last uh, snap judgment of this episode, very important. Which was most surprising? Eve's I love Lex as her password or how nice Lex's handwriting is? <laughs> it was very nice. I'm going to go uh, I love Lex because I expected more from Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the fact that Lex has very good penmanship. So I'm going to give it up to Lex's handwriting. I was very <laughs> surprised by that. 
no judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, thank you, everyone uh, who sent in some snap judgments and emails and tweets and voicemails. Uh, That is very uh, good that we have all those perspectives and thoughts. So that's going to do it for all of our thoughts and feedback on this episode all about Eve. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio.com radio at gmail.com if you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678-718-7252 make sure to send all your feedback in uh, before tuesdays at 6 30 p.m eastern Uh, but just a reminder you won't be able to do it until uh, the show comes back on april 21st Uh, you can like supergirl radio on facebook and follow us on twitter and instagram all at supergirl radio we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that features music on the show. And we are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now, since uh, Morgan doesn't have to do it anymore, we're going to throw uh-huh. a, we're going to throw it over to to Ashley for the DCTV plugs. If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DCTV. Don't fail this city; you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out the Flash. Andy and friends make quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. These ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit. For Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive. Except maybe after the end of season 5. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But... I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DCTV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. Well, you can find me on Twitter at DerbyKid, and I'm also on Instagram at TheDerbyKid. I also voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakus. Just recorded uh, a new episode, some fresh Fakus coming at you, so look for that uh, when season two comes out. And I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe Podcast, so if you're interested in the uh, what we call the DCEU films, uh, you can check that out. And you can find me on Twitter um, uh, and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. And if you want to understand why there are so many Disney references, you can check out my Instagram <laughs> where I have a, just a ton of pictures of me with ears on, like eating various things. I just got back from Disney. It was great. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and you should check out uh, Rebecca's Instagram this week because... <laughs> I'm going to be blowing it up. She'll be blowing it up with Disney pictures. So if you are a Disney fan, really, you have full coverage between the two of us. Uh, Um, You can also find me as a co-host on uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which, guess what? Legends is back. Um, (laughs) 
so we will be recording at the end of this week, and we our episode should drop this Saturday sometime, maybe Sunday, probably <laughs> Saturday. Uh, so keep an eye on that. And, like, if you've fallen behind, now's a great time to catch up on some of our older episodes while you wait for the new one. Yeah, because you don't need to watch the show. You can just listen to the podcast, and you're you're good to go. You can just catch up that way. Exactly. Yeah, that's all you need to do. Well, I'm very excited about that. I'm a big fan of the podcast, even though I don't watch the show. (laughs) Well, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio on the Supergirl episode titled All About Eve. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And if Colonel Haley appreciates a good cinnamon crawler, can she really be that bad? (laughs) 